Welcome to Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Line Miller, your host, and I, I want to thank our sponsor, Farm to Plate. They're a software company committed to creating tomorrow's food business ecosystem today. We have an excellent guest with us today. Very interesting man. I can't wait for us to jump in to all that he has going on. His name is David Cote, and he is the co-founder and superhero at Loop Mission. Now, welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you, Pam. I'm really happy to be here. Yes. Well, and I'm happy to have you, and I'm really excited to be able to share with our audience all that you have going on because you are such a, as the title of your company says, mission-driven man, and you have a lot of lofty goals. But back us up to Loop Mission, what it is, and then we can talk about how you got started. Absolutely. Yeah. So Loop is a circular economy project. I started six years ago with my wife and it started as a, as a juice company, taking the overstock of fruits and vegetables that were left over, that were normally going to landfill because of many reasons that we'll talk about. And we transformed them into a cold pressed juice. And and we became Loop Mission because we had so many phone calls from the industry about all the waste out there that we just kind of we just saw the tip of the iceberg and why finally the, it's the food waste is a huge issue, right? So now Loop Mission is a is really a project in, in North America where we transform any food that was that was going to waste into a new product and we're putting it back on the shelf of the grocery stores. Well, but you happened upon this really, I consider huge mission with lots of different kinds of food. But you started out, you happened upon this because you started out with the juice business, yeah. essentially, you and your wife, that is what you you founded. And then you were solving a problem from somebody else, like they heard what you were doing. Share a little yeah. bit about that story. I think it's just great how, I don't know, circumstances come together, networking, you know, people find out what you're doing, and you got a call one day. Exactly. So I was, I started my first business when I was 24 years old, I had a raw, vegan catering service, that I was doing from my apartment. I had no money. I started with a bicycle, a cooler, and I was delivering energy balls and sushi rolls that were vegan to all those little shops and 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 and, and offices downtown Montreal. And I was also making kombucha in a mason jar that I was selling as a beverages that it, it fit with my whole concept of, of good food and living food. And so, and those business kind of grew. So over many years, I became a successful entrepreneur. I got lucky and I started a project that didn't exist there. Kombucha wasn't known in Canada. There was no kombucha company. I was the first one. And it became rice kombucha. And we're still the number one kombucha in Canada today. And on the other side, I had nine restaurants after eight years all vegan and raw around the province in Canada. And uh, and I got a phone call, you know, I just got a phone call from a customer. He was drinking my, my products. I didn't know him. And he told me, David, you don't know me, but I am, you know, the great, great son. You know, my great grandfather started this business a hundred years ago of produce suppliers and we're a distributor of produce. And we throw away every single day of the year, 16 to 25 tons of produce every okay hold on day. just a second i don't know that i can conceive of that number every day 16 to 20 tons that was exactly my reaction time i actually hang up the phone i didn't believe him i thought this guy is, is insane yeah and i was doing some coaching uh, for young entrepreneurs at that time and i thought he was just a guy that wanted coaching for his pro i thought he was crazy i was like this guy it's a 
it's a catfish. Something something is off with him. There's no way anybody on the planet can throw away that much food in a single day every year, every every day of the year. And he called me back three weeks later, and he said, David, you don't understand. You have to come and visit. It's not a lie. Come and see us. Check us out online. And I looked at their company name. It's called Courchain La Rose. They're a produce distributor. So nobody really knows produce distributor because they kind of work as a you know business to business in the back. We don't as consumers, we don't really are aware of their existence, really. Uh, yeah. But I went to I actually went to his facility in eastern Montreal and I was impressed. It's a huge warehouse, like 300,000 square feet. I asked for his name. I realized it was the VP operation. He was kind of the big, you know, the top gun there. He brought me in his warehouse, literally, right away. And he showed me a big rack, a big, big rack of, of skids of fruits and vegetables. And he told me, this is what we're going to throw away today. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. I freaked out. And, I, and he asked one of his lift guy, because it's such a big place. They have like probably, you know, 40 employees on big lift, like gathering skids and building, you know, they have 45 uh, uh, doors, you know, for a big truck. So they're busy. So he asked one of his guys, and he brought all of the skids down, all of the pallets of fruits and vegetables. There was mangoes, strawberries, raspberries, celery, lettuce, all produce that literally I could... And, Trust me when I say this, it was all perfect. Like it was fairly f- perfectly fine for consumption. Right. But what he explained to me was that because he's a distributor that sells to big retailers and big, you know, major grocery stores in Canada, such as let's say, uh, you know, in, in the US, uh, I could say Publix, like in Florida or uh, Kroger or these guys, you know, so they sell yeah. produce to these big guys. And he said, when I, when I sell produce to these big companies, they also have a warehouse like us and, and they carry it there. And then they... They sort it to all of their different location. And the cycle of distributions for that produce to be on the shelf for a consumer to buy it and for the consumer to still have many days for it to be still good, it's about two weeks. So he said, when the when the strawberry stems start drying out a little bit, when the grape stems in the back start kind of drying, when the mango is ripe in my, in my warehouse, it's over. I get rid of them. You know, and they try to sell some to smaller fruit stores, you know, the ones, you probably know the ones I'm talking about where you go and yeah. it's always cheaper and they're always kind of really ripe, you know, but it's not enough for using everything, right? So they throw away about, you know, 16 to 25 tons is about 2% of their daily volume. So they're right. actually, they're, they're good at managing waste, but still 2% is 20 tons of fruits and vegetables that they're throwing away. Yeah, when you take it to scale. So obviously, David, he was not a crank caller and... You had to go with your feet on the ground to actually see for yourself because I wouldn't have believed it either. And I think a lot of people listening to us right now or watching us on YouTube, they are having a hard time conceiving of, you know, because we do have a problem with being able to feed everyone across the world and the whole thing of of food loss. And this is good food that is was just being wasted because there was nowhere, you know, this this man sits in the middle of the supply chain. So us as consumers don't see it and the farmers don't see, you know, they're selling and and it depends on if the exactly fruit production matches up with the orders. And when that doesn't happen, there's a gap and that is just lost food. All right, exactly. enter Luke. Enter you. So you helped him solve his problem, and you also created more more work and more business for other people. So share how this story continued. Exactly. So at that time, I had two business: a beverage company with the kombucha and a restaurant chain. And I said, 
we had a handshake. We really connected, like really right away. We were like, okay, we need to do this. And we looked at each other in the eyes and I said, Fred, you know what? We're, we're starting something. We're going to do something. At that same moment, I was meeting Julie, who was in sustainability, a specialist in sustainability and bigger food corporation and bigger food manufacturer. And she was tired to always be seen as the marketing department. And she was always there to kind of make some actions and some good deeds to kind of give a better image to the company and to compensate for all the greenhouse gas emission. Because when you're a manufacturing company, no matter what, when you scale up, you have a bigger impact on the environment. You have more transport, you have more transformation, et cetera, et cetera. And you, you burn more fossil fuels. Uh, it goes on and on. And, and most of the time, sustainability in the last decade and two, three decades even has been seen more as a something to link with marketing to say, okay, this is the good actions we do. You know, and and I and I can challenge you if you go on the website of any food manufacturing companies out there on the on online, most of the first page you'll see their good actions. They'll talk about what they do for the world, for the environment, for their social activity. Because we, because people want to hear this today, right? It wasn't important 30 years ago. Or 30 years ago, marketing was like, this is good for this. It works. You're going to buy it. And that was, that was enough. But now consumers want to have a good story. And we want an environmental story, right? Because we care and we see that you need to do something. And, but she was tired to be seen as an expense. And every time the company had like some kind of, you know, cut in the budget, it was always a department that was going away. And she said, you know, I dream of launching a business that the more we sell of something, no matter the scale we get, the, it's always going to be better for the environment. And I just met her at that time. And I said, Julie, I met this guy. You have to meet him. It's amazing. So and I we fell in love at the same time. So she sold her house. I sold my first business. Uh, I sold parts of my second business also. We had some money and we came back to Fred. Fred was the guy who called me with the produce warehouse. And we said, Fred, we start this project. And we I went from having almost 200 employees to zero employees as a startup again. And we bought a little van. We found a co-packer that was going to make the juice. So I made recipes with the data that of the food waste from that company. And most, you know, and still today, you know, food waste is very taboo, especially in the produce industry. So when you call a food center, a produce center, a produce depot, and you say, what are you wasting? Often they will tell you, we're not wasting anything. We're not wasting anything. It's we don't want to talk about it, right? Because it's something that we don't want to come to the public because we don't want to somehow we're scared that it's gonna kind of affect people and people will judge us. So we just keep it hidden, right? And it's also a number that you know, most of big companies, the CEO, the CFO, they see the waste not physically, not in person, they sit on paper on an income statement of the year, right? I know I was a CEO of a restoration business. I had a chain and I didn't see the waste. I wasn't going that much in the kitchen anymore at the end, right? I was in my office and I will see that my number was under the accepted percentage for my industry, which is 7%, which is a lot, That's right? A lot. In restoration, you if you lose under 7% of your food, you're doing good, you know, just a lot. And just, just as, a, as, a, as a number, you know, in North America, we threw away more than a third of the food, more than a third, 33% of all food will be wasted before being consumed. As much imported or grown locally in USA or Canada, we will not eat this food. It will go back to landfill, which is amazing when you think about it, right? And even though we throw away a third of our food, one citizen in North America out of nine suffers from food insecurity, right? That number is actually getting worse. I think it's one out of eight now in the U.S. So yeah. it's it's insane. But at the same time, it's 
it's a reality, right? This is this is the world we created in. And the reason that Fred in this facility throws away 25, 16 to 25 tons a day is because he do not want to dissatisfy his customer. His customers are expecting him to have an abundance of product, of produce and vegetables. And he doesn't want to, he always has a little extra to make sure he doesn't have not enough. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if it's mm-hmm. clear. I, and yeah. it's, I wasn't, I had a restaurant that was doing the same thing. You know, if you have a menu, you need your own menu to be available for your customers, but you don't exactly know what you're going to sell. So you always have a little extra. And yeah. this is the reality of speculation in the industry. So we speculate, we don't know how much we're going to sell. And eventually after many years, you have data, you know how much you're wasting approximately. So Fred gave me those numbers and he said, David, this is what I throw away. Every month I have these produce. I couldn't believe it. Like I, he knew what he was throwing away approximately every month of the year. So I took those numbers and I created recipes. I made recipes out of those overstock. And so there is yellow pepper in one of our juice. You know, there's fennel in the other one. There's clementine in the other one. We have, we have ingredients that most of companies can't really even afford. Wow. But we, we have it because we know it's wasted at which moment and we save it and we make a juice. So that's what we did. We made four juices, cold pressed juice with a lot of vegetables in it and fruits. And we yeah. loved the product. And then that's how we started. It was called Loop Juices at that time. Well, and I'm two things. I'm really glad that Fred picked up the phone and called you. Not <laughs> once, too. but twice to say, hey, I really am a real guy. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Please come to my warehouse. Uh, but then you, you had a vision. You you connected with what Fred was doing. And and you know, I don't believe in coincidence, but all of a sudden Julie's on the scene, who is now your... Uh, co-founder and wife, so partner in more ways than one, right? And and here we go with with your passion, your interest, and your background because you were already into the. There's a consumer trend that's been going on for years. Uh, interested in more holistic, natural foods that you can identify what's in there. So your loop juice whole business where you can say, here's what's in here. Perfect for the market as well. Just the timing was really great. And you were able to save, essentially save all of this really fresh fruits and vegetables and and ready to eat from, from going, just being thrown away and you're able to provide to people. Wow. All right. So what else, what's <laughs> happening? What's happening now? Let's fast forward because that was back yeah. in what year? Like so, so we did that. We had those four juices and yeah. uh, and it worked well. And the media started paying attention to us because we were ah. the first circular economy project happening, really. Even a, a university, well, uh, NYU, University of New York called me and said, you know, you're the leader in, in, in food circular economy in, in, in North America. Can you come and give a conference? And I, I had no idea. I like a few weeks before, I didn't even, even know what circular economy meant. I was going to say, what are you calling what I'm doing? Yeah, they exactly. gave it a name and, and said that you were the leader in that. You're like, oh, well, that's great. <laughs> and I, I also want to say that you kind of made it okay for those uh, people that are in the middle of the supply chain to talk about their their food waste or what they're throwing away. Because you know, from a public relations standpoint, as one of the points you're making before, it's a negative for to the consumer to hear that fresh food is being thrown away. And, and they don't want to talk about that. But gosh, if they can channel that to a different place and not throw it away, now it's a positive PR story. So the media exactly. obviously picked up on that. Exactly. Yeah, Koshen Laos, our partners, as a 
nobody knew them as a business. And now, you know, six years later, consumers know them because of all the media attention we got. And we so we shine a light on them. And of course, they were throwing away, but we explained why, right? And then we found the solution. So it's a it's a good story all around, really. Mm-hmm. So so that happened. And then because of this, we start the phone started ringing. So farmers started saying, oh, we we leave a lot of things on the field because of of sizes and shapes and little spots. It stays there. Even even farms in, in Brazil and Morocco call us saying, oh, you know what? We're already shipping to this guy. And but we also have on the farm oranges that we never ship because they're not acceptable by for the wow. standard of the market. Then manufacturer called us saying, oh, you know what? We throw away a lot of, of pieces of carrots, uh, a lot of uh, of potato cuttings for making the chips. Can you do something with this? So <laughs> this the fun the phone didn't stop. So that's when we realized that we had something bigger that we unveiled and that we needed to do some. It's very hard for me to say no, right? When someone calls me and says, I'm throwing this away, can you do something? It's very exciting to me. And so that I get into the mission, right? That was my initial thought, David, is that you seem like you say yes and then figure it out after that. Yes, <laughs> we'll much. take it. And then, okay, what are we going to do with this? Or <laughs> how are we going to, who, who can we channel this food to that can utilize it in a way that's productive? That's what exactly. I, that's what I'm hearing you say. You're yes. And we'll figure it out on the back end because that's the right thing to do and exactly. fits with your mission. Exactly. I like that. So, so because of this, we started launching products. The first one was a, we started making smoothie because a, a, a grocery chain, a big one called Sobeys, it's the guy on the floor because it's always the person that sees the ways that is sensitive to it. So that guy on the floor said, you know what? We're wasting a lot. I see it going every day. Can you do something? And I, I asked him to send me his numbers and his data. And I made recipes out of their waste. And I sent it to the VP of their banner. And I said, you know what? Those smoothies have been made with your own waste. And the VP called me right away and said, you know what? That's amazing. Let's do this. So we did an exclusive smoothie for them made with their overstock and their banners. And then Genius. Put, and then the potato chips company called me and said that we have potato cuttings. Can we do something? So we started taking those potato cuttings and we started distilling gin out of it, made with our own lime and ginger that we put in. Okay. Uh, beer from the, the, the day-old bread and a big bakery that sells to nationally all the grocery stores. That you know, yeah. we throw away truckloads of bread because they're, they're three days before their shelf life. So we have to take them back for free. So we take those bread and we, we brew beer out of them, literally. So that's what we started doing. We started looking at all the ways and how can we transform it into something else. And what's important yeah. with this spam is that it's called circular economy. And what's important is that the word economy is in there. Yes, it's circular. You know, we reduce food waste. It's, it's a social environmental project that we have. But we're an incorporation for profit. And our goal is to show the world that if you look at your waste, you can, there's actually value in it. The partners yeah. we work with used to spend money to get rid of their waste, you know. But now mm-hmm. that we're there... We're not a nonprofit that are asking for donation. We buy those produce, right? So right. We, we, we give a price for it, right? We pay a certain price per pound. So, so they make uh, an extra revenue that they never did before. That was always an expense. And now they have a revenue. They're very happy about it. And with this revenue, they can be better in marketing. They can have an extra hire. They can be more competitive in the market. So the more that you look at your waste in a way, the more you find a way to generate revenue out of it, the more competitive you become with your competitors, right? Is that because you, you just generate more money? And that's what happened with Cochin La Rose. We we start get, like today, six years later, we give them millions of dollars a year that normally was stuff that was going to landfill. 
So they're making an incremental profit margin there. Everybody's happy. Like everybody wins, right? We, yeah. we pay a smaller price than a normal food manufacturing will pay for normal produce. Then we, then we lose money because we're the only company in North America or probably in the world that use produce that was supposed to be in a grocery store shelf, you know? So if you're a smoothie company or a beer company or no matter what you, you transform, you buy when you buy strawberries, for example, you'll buy frozen strawberries that don't have the tail anymore, the stem, and that comes already clean, pre-washed, that you receive in bulk, and you just make your recipe. We at Loop buy the strawberries in a clamshell by truckloads that was supposed to be on the grocery shelf, but the strawberries were getting too old, so nobody wants to buy them, and the distributor is stuck with them. So we have a lot of labor. So so of course we pay way less for the strawberries, but then we have an incremental price that comes to every produce that comes in because we have to sort it out, open the clamshell, put it in a conveyor, have people pick through them. Even blueberries, you yeah. know, the blueberries in the little clamshell, we pour yeah. them all on a on a on a conveyor and we sort them out. So there's extra work in this whole process. But yes. at the end, we have a premium juice with ingredients that no other juice companies can afford. So yes, all the other because juice if on they the were market, to buy them in the wholesale, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So all the other juices on the market, they they have mostly apples and cucumbers and celery, things that have a lot of water content, you know, a lot of liquid, but they don't have a, a clementine and strawberry juice. They don't. It's too expensive. We do yeah. because we can actually get this 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 raw material. And it just seems like in this circular economy ecosystem that you've created, essentially, it's it's a win-win all the way around. As you were saying, the CEO of the middle of the supply chain company who's who's buying and selling maybe to a larger, or it doesn't even have to be that. I mean, there's lots of people that qualify the farmers you were talking about that that just have food that was going to go to waste and that that you can buy at a reduced price from them and they're making something on it. Whereas before your point was it was a cost. They had to pay to get rid of it. To, exactly. to dispose of it. And now you're able to just turn that all around for a positive for everyone. So it's a good story for the company or the farmer. And it's a great story for us as consumers because we're able to support this activity in the economy, which we want to do. Exactly. Consumers want to do that. They want to support us being good stewards of the food that we're producing across the world and being able to utilize it as best we can. I just think it's a great story. So you have, all right, you have some future plans and projects that you're working on. So share with us a little bit about what the future looks like it's for you. Never ending, never ending, no. Pam. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now we're we're going in the U.S. So now we build a new facility where I'm standing right now in in Montreal, Canada. Now we have okay. a great partnership that we're just closing in the U.S. and we're going to be hopefully available in many, many stores in the U.S. very soon, like in the in the next right. few months. We're already in Sprouts nationally uh, in right. the U.S. Uh, and then there's new things about uh, to sign. I can't say, but it's coming very soon. And then our goal is to recreate the model, right? So the idea is to recreate this model in, in South Central South USA. There's a lot of crops there close to California that gets thrown away. And build the same thing in Europe and Australia. The, the idea is to have four facilities like we have here in Montreal. And because the food waste is everywhere. Like the same reality of these partners that throw away, you know, 20 tons a day. There's a distributor very similar to them in, in London. There's one in New York. There's one, there's the same yeah. reality for everyone, right? So 
The idea is to replicate this model all around. What's, what's interesting is that let's say we don't want to export our product, products across the globe. We want to take the food waste locally and transform it locally. So that's yes. why our best-selling juice here in Canada is not going to be the same in Australia. In Australia, the data shows that most of their waste is a lot of stone fruit, so peaches, nectarines, plums. So for sure there, there's going to be a lot of the juice that will be have those ingredients, right? And yeah, whole and, different and, profile uh, back to your recipes, taking exactly. what whatever that waste profile is, whatever those are, and the time of year, it differs. You're right, because the growing seasons are different and exactly. what's getting distributed. And then you can be unique for those local areas and utilize what they have. Exactly. And what, what's interesting is that the biggest amount of waste always is the biggest commodity used in the country most of the time. So what's interesting is that the more waste of something there is, the more chances that the consumers really like that produce, you know? So that's very interesting. So it means that because you see here, in, in especially in Eastern Canada, people are crazy about clementine. You know, when Christmas comes and there's these boxes of clementine, sometimes you call them mandarin, but it's, to me, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. And we eat tons of them, right? And, and comes March, people kind of get bored of it, but there's still a lot of them coming in. And we receive about 75 truckloads of those that we're going to waste now. This And oh the gosh. season just ending, this, right now is the last week that we're finishing the whole. So now we're we're taking all the clementine for to survive for the rest of the year for that juice. And it's our main, it's our bestseller. It's a clementine, strawberry and orange juice, right? So, and it became mm. our bestseller. And we really think that in Australia, our bestseller is going to be a peach and nectarine and something else, right? So, so that's what's interesting is that to me, which, you know, I have a hard time always doing the same thing. You know, sometimes I, I, I want to start new something, new projects or write a new book or things like this. With Loop Mission, what's great is that I can always create something new because there's always a new waste or new something that we can actually transform into a good story, right? So I never yeah. get bored. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell me about, you had mentioned Loop Synergy before, and yes. is that this project? Yeah, no, Loop Synergy is another project that we just, okay. we just got a grant. Yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we just got a grant from the government, the federal government to do this, and because transforming waste is an art. And the, the, the problem with produce is that they don't have a long shelf life, right? So when we receive those, those produce here, and like I was mentioning before about the food manufacturing world, they want something that always stays the same thing, that has the same pH, the same bricks, which is the sugar content, always the same. But I can't decide if the pineapple I received this week are more acidic, are more sweet, have more uh, water content. I, we never know. Right. So so we have to transform it quickly. And our consumers kind of know that our juice changes a little it, for them. It's a stamp of quality. Right. Because it's like at home. It's like if you made it at home, you don't know. But for a bar company, for a yogurt company, for uh, all of these companies that are making food that the consumers always wants to have the same, they can't really use food waste. It's really complicated for them because they want something always the same. So what we're launching now and what we got a grant for is to because we can't, we won't solve food waste alone, right? We need the help of of everyone to do it. So now we're we we create this project. It's called Loop Synergy, where we transform at Loop in our facility those produce into more stable ingredients. So into a powder, into a puree, pasteurized, mm -hmm. or a cold pressed juice, frozen. So there's three different ways you can get them. And those, the bricks and the pH are are clear. Like my my client, you know, let's say it's a beer company that wants to add a strawberry juice in his beer. 
I'm going to, he has a spec sheet. He knows that the strawberry is that sugar content, that pH, and his beer is always going to be the same with those, right? Because I can blend them, right? Or I yes. can pasteurize them to a certain level. So now we're, we're going to be selling all of those raw ingredients to all of these food manufacturers that want to implement circular economy product or upcycle product in their own, in their own food packaging, basically. Yeah, and perfect for those that need a consistent ingredient, as you were saying, they, they're they putting it in some other kind of recipe where they need it to have a consistent... Yeah, which is everyone, really. Profile. We're the only one, really, that make recipes that kind of varies because our consumers well, understand that. You're saying there's three clementines and whoever goes into that particular juice, but you're not guaranteeing a certain... Uh, percentage of ingredients or content we do because our recipes nutri- always have nutri- the same nutritional facts but, but yeah. you know the the yeah the ph will change a little right. bit change a little uh, bit yeah the things we'll that try you're to not stabilize it with lemon so there's lemon in all of our juice so that we can really okay. have a ph that's but still it's it's there's always going to be a change even if you mm-hmm. take a watermelon from the same crop that add almost the same bricks and ph it's still going to taste different that's what's mm-hmm. amazing with food right R- raw food is never the same but to your consumers it's also the exciting part yeah, because absolutely. they know they're always going to enjoy it it's going to have good nutrition whatever it is because it's coming from great raw ingredients and and that's what they know but a really good business decision to be able to give these different forms to other manufacturers that are making different end products that want to utilize yeah like you said be a part of the circular economy but they've got to make that fit within exactly. the regulations that they have to exactly. live with. yeah yes. we are, we are we did a pilot project for this specially and now we already have seven companies that use some of our ingredients and oh, some exactly. of them put our logo so they say it's upcycle and they put our logo on their packaging to say we've upcycled this with loop mission so it's very okay. cool okay yeah, that is really cool. I know you have to be so excited. I, I I just love what we've been able to talk about here today and share with our viewers and listeners of Future Foodcast, because this is what we're all about. What innovation is happening in the food space? How can we better utilize the food that we've got? How can we, and you, you found that the people in the middle of that supply chain, which is right where Future Foodcast sits, you know, and and being able to change the way they're distributing their products. Sure, the bulk of their products goes to their normal or their traditional end consumer, but now you've given them a whole other distribution point and utilization for the product that they're not able to send to their traditional client or customer. And um, just, just getting this idea out I'm so glad you came to share it with Future Foodcast and and what your future thoughts are, which sounds like you're going worldwide to me across the globe is is what you want to do. (laughs) Um, But is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we go, David, in addition to all this excellent information we've already uncovered today? Well, first, I want to say thanks for having me. I really uh, enjoyed our moment. And really, I think my... What I try to always send as a message when I give a conference to the to the crowd is always, you know, you can either be part of the solution or part of the problem, right? And so for all those people listening, you know, I really invite you, for, even, even though you're, let's say you have a business, then I invite you to look at your waste and say, how can we actually, is there value in this? Can we find a way to use this and make another company or make someone happy with it? So that's the first thing is to look at your waste. And for those that are looking at entrepreneurs out there that wants to start a project or a company, I always say, you know, try to find a project that will solve a real problem. 
social, environmental, no matter what the problem is, if you're really solving a, a problem with your company, then it's going to be just easier all along the way. The marketing is going to be easier. Uh, retaining employees is going to be easier because you're going to have a purpose. So purpose in everything is the, is the most important thing for me. Yeah. And one thing that I've learned from you today, David, is say yes to the challenge that you're presented with and figure it out on the back end. That's how <laughs> Loop Mission was started. And you've been able to overcome challenges for other companies, really, and uh, us as, a, as global citizens and given us another option. Thank you so much for being on the uh, podcast today on Thanks Future to you, Foodcast. Bob. And also thank you to Farm to Plate our sponsor. They are enabling better food supply chain management. You can check out more at farmtoplate.io. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 